In our gospel readings the past couple of Sundays, we heard a lot about John the Baptist and how people were flocking out to see him and be baptized by him and hear what he had to say. People were seeking him out. But in today's gospel lesson, it is Jesus who performs the action. Jesus leaves Nazareth and makes his home in Capernaum. Jesus is out proclaiming and fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. Jesus is out walking by the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus isn't just taking a stroll. He is starting his ministry. He is on a mission. He is answering God's call and proclaiming God's word. And from Jesus' actions, his baptism, his time spent in the wilderness, even the reasons for his move from Nazareth to this more strategically placed town, from all of these actions, we might assume that he has an idea of his relationship with God and understands what he is setting out to do. We can't make the same assumption about the men that we meet today, but we can tell from this passage that these four, Andrew and Simon, John and James, the sons of Zebedee, they were sought out. They were chosen by Jesus. It's easy to picture these men, because I think we can all picture these guys with their boats and their nets. Fishermen are not rare in Naples. And it's easy to picture them working and then looking up as Jesus approaches them. And then these men jump out of their boats. They drop their nets immediately, and they go. No questions asked. Well, we might have a few questions. We might wonder whether or not Jesus has some advanced knowledge of them, and that may well be the case. He may have observed and even known them. Some historians believe he may have been a cousin to one or more of the men that he called to be disciples. And perhaps they all had qualities that he needed in his evangelists. But he didn't need fishermen, not in the traditional sense. He didn't need people to mend nets. And these weren't learned men. They weren't training to be rabbis. They were ordinary people. Jesus chooses ordinary people. And Jesus gives us a hint of what he has in mind. He's going to make them fishers of men. He's going to hone their existing skills to a new trade, that of evangelism. Yet even that seems to go rather slowly for Jesus. For we know from other stories in the Bible that there's a pretty steep learning curve for these guys. It isn't as though the disciples are instant experts. How many times does Jesus get exasperated with their questions? How many times do we see them not quite get what he is talking about? How many times do they doubt him? They worry about wind and waves, about what people will eat and how crowds might react, and all these are reasonable, ordinary concerns, certainly, they fight amongst themselves, as people do, about who is the best, who is the favorite. They fall asleep when all Jesus has asked them to do is stay awake. They betray him. And when he dies and is resurrected from the dead, they question who he is and need proof. The disciples are most assuredly works in process. But rather than looking at their shortcomings, which is so easy to do, let's look at what they do in this passage before they really know Jesus, before they really know anything about him, they jump out of the boat. Without a second thought, Jesus calls, they answer. They drop everything, they leave everything and everyone they know, including those who depend on them, and they answer God's call. 
And we never really know why. They just do. Something about Jesus inspires their faith. Something about Jesus gives them the confidence to jump out of the boat and follow him and do his work. If we put ourselves in their shoes, what if, what if Jesus walked up to us at home or at work or on the street and asked us to jump out of the boat? If Jesus spoke to us in this way, how would we react? A typical reaction, I think, would be to take out our phones and Google just who this guy was. We always want to research everything. It doesn't matter if we're looking for a place to eat or a place to visit or even to find the quickest way to work on a Monday morning. We check it out first. Before we buy something, we compare prices. We read those Amazon reviews, how many stars. It doesn't matter if we're buying a house or a car or something as simple as an electric toothbrush. Chances are we do a little Googling. For something as big as this, I'm pretty confident we would take a minute to think things over. In addition to researching, there's an added problem that we like to control our situations. If we heard that Jesus was looking for disciples, we might want to check out the job description and tailor it so that it suited us well. And then we might say, here, Jesus, I offer myself as a disciple to do this or that. As if we were controlling the situation, as if we had some say in it. Jesus makes it clear in our reading this morning that he is the one calling the shots. God is creating the call for these fishermen, not the other way around. What we want, what we know or don't know, doesn't change God's call to us. And realizing that we are not calling the shots, and perhaps being pretty comfortable in our cozy little fishing boats, that may make us uncomfortable with the whole situation. Why do we need another person in our lives telling us what to do? We might convince ourselves that we are not likely disciples. Jesus only chose 12. Those are pretty slim odds, right? There must have been something about those people he chose. Chances are we don't have that certain something, and he probably wouldn't have chosen us. Certainly Jesus was looking for certain qualities or skills. Why would he, what would he be looking for in us? This is a question that every priest probably asks themselves at some point. I know that I did. I still do. Why would God be calling me? That is why there's a joke that God only calls people to be priests because he doesn't trust them in the general population. But I spent a lot of time thinking up ways that I was unsuited to be called by God. And I think that we do that because beating ourselves up and finding ourselves unworthy is much easier than jumping out of the boat. That boat, after all, that boat represents our lives. Many of us spent years, decades even, just getting into the boat. The boat is comfortable and safe. Why would we ever want to jump out? And many of us spend even more time trying to have it both ways. We see Jesus on the beach, we hear his words, and we sit there straddling the side of the boat. <laughs> one leg in, one leg out, trying to make up our minds, questioning our convictions. But that's the thing with a boat. There really isn't any halfway. You're either in or you're out. Jumping out of the boat sends us into uncharted territory. Following Jesus means giving up Google and trusting that he knows the right path. It is the proverbial leap of faith. And what happens if we choose to stay in the boat? That's our right after all. 
We may decide that we're just fine, thank you very much, right where we are. There is no need to jump out and follow anyone. Our boat is great, just as it is. But that's the thing with a boat. A boat is never fine. If you've ever owned a boat, you know this. A boat always needs something, doesn't it? And even though we think that we will be perfectly content with the lives we have created, with the situations that we control, there's always going to be something missing, something gnawing at us, some yearning within us that cannot be satisfied by creating a bigger, better boat. St. Augustine wrote that our hearts are restless until they rest in God. Jesus is calling us, but we are also calling out to him. We want that closer connection with him. So maybe staying in the boat, clinging to our fishing nets, to our familiar way of life, maybe that isn't ideal. But it still leaves us with a question. Why should we jump out of the boat? Or perhaps the emphasis should be, why should we jump out of the boat? And the answer is for the same reason that Andrew and Simon and James and John did. We are answering a call. We are all called to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, to be disciples of Jesus. But we aren't in Capernaum, and we're not all of us fishermen, but we are still called. And we do have a means of discipleship, and that is the church. It's so easy to think of the church as a destination, as a place we go on Sunday morning. But the church is not the destination. The church is the vehicle. It is through the church that we can take those actions that make us disciples. It is through the church that we can evangelize and bring more people to Christ. The church is the safe place to land after we jump out of the boat. The church, that entity which Jesus built and for which he worked and taught and died, that is the place for us to make that transformation from being ordinary people to being fishers of men. That transformation doesn't happen all at once. It's a day-by-day thing. Doing the chore you may not want to do, letting that person go in front of you, even if it means you miss the light. Responding with love instead of criticism, listening instead of speaking, giving instead of taking. Discipleship is a whole string of small daily decisions that add up to a new life outside the boat. They're small decisions. It doesn't make them easy. But as we do those little unremarkable things, we may start to notice that with practice, they take less effort. And as our lives become more Christ-like, these things that were difficult at first become second nature. And we're showing others by our example what it is like to love our neighbor and what it is like to follow Christ. And then they jump out of their boats and they join us. That's how it's worked for more than 2,000 years. That's how easy it is and how hard. Jesus is calling you. Jump out of the boat. Those of us who have already taken the leap are here to catch you.